Dollars back. Don't say we didn't tell ya. Gold still meh. Is uranium the new gold? A lot of bored uranium bugs out there. We'll get into uranium a bit. We'll talk copper. We'll talk the volatility index. We're going to do a bit of a dig and deep dive into the Inflation Reduction Act, which is a BS name for what this is. But despite the BS name, there are a lot of good items that are going to benefit our portfolio and I think lead to some pretty decent profits in the latter part of this year and all of 2023, 2024, and 2025. We're going to talk about China's heat wave, the heat wave around the world, Germany's upcoming cold winter, naked shorting being banned in Canada, Liz Cheney, Giuliani, the Trumpster. It's a bizarre world. Nick, how are you today? This is episode 182 of our therapy session known as Bizarro World. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. How goes it, Nick? It's crazy out there. I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose with all the, the news and things that have to get done. And it's supposedly the slow days of summer. Can't wait until it picks up in the fall. I'm doing good, Gerardo. You, you, you've been a little busy? A little bit. <laughs> Let's dive right into it. Look, gold's still boring. I don't even want to talk gold and silver. Let's, let me spoil it for everyone, unless you want to opine, Nick. But silver's still trading like the industrial metal it is. Eventually, it'll hit $50. It's not going to happen this year. It's probably not going to happen next Gold, I still think, hits new all-time highs, maybe in Q1 of 2023, but it's not going to happen in August. So we can talk gold again in September when I think it's going to start getting interesting again. I do want to touch on the dollar. Dollar index well above 107 after kissing 104 and 103 even just a few weeks back. Would love to get your thoughts on the dollar index. Oh, I'm not sure I have uh, many thoughts on the dollar index. Like you didn't have many thoughts on the silver and gold. You know, we continue to say it's the cleanest, dirty shirt. We continue to say that uh, a recession is here. And uh, despite a recession being here, you know, stocks, at least in the in the U.S., have been buoyant since June. But when you look <laughs> um, across the ponds in both directions, to the east and to the west, you see some real trouble shaping up. You know, China's reported a slowdown. Uh, I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago when you asked me about copper, that it, it might, might depend on, you know, what China's up to, up to, and they've reported a slowdown. They might even um, have to do a new stimulus. I was reading this week because um, of the slowdown in their economy. And then you look at Europe, and it's even slower than here in the U.S. So no surprise that the dollar remains strong uh, for those reasons, and also because in in a bear market, the the dollar, as Mr. Dines told us, you know, has its own bull market when the when the stock is in a bear market and. The stock market is in a bear market. And despite that rise I mentioned since June in stocks, I still think we're, we're in a bear market. I'm probably starting to sound like a broken record, especially as people get giddy again about meme stocks and the like. But um, you still, I continue to say, have only had about a 17% rise off the bottom. It's come on extremely low volume. It's come without um, bullish fundamentals, especially when you look at S&P earnings. And so that was a bit of a meandering answer, but no surprise to see the dollar strong and why I continue to have a third of my safe capital in those dollars. No, look, I, I actually thought it was a great answer. I think it's a great way of saying a lot in, in a short amount of time, right? Now, we have a big storm brewing here uh, near Austin, and so my, my internet connection was down. So this will be a little briefer than it usually is, just because I'm afraid it's going to cut out on everybody once again. But let's, uh, let's talk uranium. There's um, conversations now being had, and this is just breaking the last 30 minutes or so between 
um, Russia and Kazakhstan and the Ukraine and the nuclear atomic energy. Bottom line is they're getting a bunch of experts together because they believe Russia is planning a nuclear incident tomorrow, which would be Friday, the 19th of August. And so anytime I start hearing a country like the Ukraine involving international agencies about worries that an incident is being planned. And then it coincides with Russia telling workers not to go to work tomorrow. Um, my tinfoil hat, Spidey senses start tingling a little bit. And I worry a bit because I joked about uranium maybe being the new gold because the fundamentals are there. Everything's played out exactly the way we thought with the exception of the utilities, which are the largest consumer, of course, and, and going to be the, the, the driver of a much higher uranium spot price. But when we have the potential for an incident like this, I can't help but be reminded of Fukushima. And I sure. really, really hope, one, for humanity's sake, for the human toll that any incident could have. One, I hope it doesn't happen for that reason. But two, man, would that be a bummer for the uranium sector if there's another incident that you know somehow all of a sudden paints uranium and nuclear energy as the boogeyman, as Fukushima did, despite the fact that Fukushima was an engineering lapse, not a lapse in nuclear energy. And so I don't know if you had a chance to even read about that because it just broke here um, recently. But I'm hoping that by the time people hear this and watch this, that tomorrow came and went and everything is fine and hunky-dory and back to a brutal occupation of the Ukraine and its citizens and a war that looks like it's not going to end anytime soon. Not those recent developments I haven't seen, no, but I, I have seen the the plant that I can't pronounce its name in, in Ukraine that's been in the news for uh, a couple of weeks now. And, you know, it's uh, the media loves these stories because if it bleeds, it leads, first of all. But, um, you know, they love the, the nuclear boogeyman stories. And so for a couple of weeks now, it's been, um, you know, this nuclear plant is on the verge of a catastrophic event. Um, you know, it's got the potential to be cataclysmic. I've seen CNN run those headlines for, for most of August now. And yeah. Thankfully, as you say, that has yet to materialize. The other story that's been making the rounds is um, there was some war game or some simulation about if, you know, this war does turn nuclear, what a new nuclear war could do to humanity and how it could wipe out basically over half the population, some 5 billion people. Um, not because of uh, immediate deaths from nuclear bombing, but because of how um, the the fallout would blot out the sun and lead to crop failures and starvation and things like that. And uh, people must be clicking on that story because USA Today and, and Bloomberg has tweeted it out repeatedly for the past couple of days. Again, if it bleeds, it leads. So those fears are always there. I've seen uh, in the past week, you know, softening of uranium stocks. We were talking about one um, before we started recording that went from $1.40 to $1.20 in very yep. short order. And then uh, another one we're involved in, Labrador Uranium, was below 50 cents last time I checked after being uh, above $1.50. Um, Absolute steal, by the way. Uranium stocks were really robust. And so um, I, I guess those are my thoughts. Gosh, I hope nothing does happen. Thankfully, nothing has happened so far, despite the media running the worst headlines they could possibly run. And um, I guess to put a positive spin on it, um, there's you mentioned the fundamentals are obviously bullish, but even yep. the, the recent news, and I know we've mentioned Germany and, and mm -hmm. Japan recently, but um, Germany officially pivoted 
this week said they are going to keep on their their reactors because of the energy situation uh, as a result of Russia's invasion and them not being able to get a gas, uh, get gas for the winter. And so um, hopefully uh, investors, Mr. Market is smart enough to know that a planned event, uh, a false flag or whatever it is, is separate from a real nuclear incident and that the uh, reactors that exist in the world, not only the light water reactors that, that we rely on for a significant portion of global electricity and an even more significant portion of clean electricity, um, are safer than the, are safe. I'll just stop there. I mean, yeah. It's the safest form of, of energy there there is, uh, clean or otherwise. And then uh, you've got new reactor technologies on the heels of those that you know Bill Gates and, and others are, are thoroughly invested in that are now being approved by the federal uh, energy or the nuclear energy regulatory commission and so hopefully the the, the good outweighs the bad uh, i continue to believe it would or i wouldn't be a, a bull uh, on uranium or a holder a shareholder of uranium equities um and i guess those would be uh, my thoughts that's all i have to say about that as mr gump said I like it. Uh, Labrador uranium, uh, absolute bargain. You want your free B of the day. That is it. I'm biased. I'm a shareholder. Um, have my full position and not selling. And yeah, I, I think it's a hell of a speculation. Drilling, cashed up, massive land package, excellent team, uh, newly listed company a couple of months out the gate. So I think there's a heck of an opportunity there. If we're going to talk nuclear, I think we have to get into the Inflation Reduction Act. I know you wanted to do a, a bit of a deeper dive. We mentioned it last week. We mentioned it was very bullish for the uranium sector that I'm bullish on, the lithium sector that I'm bullish on, clean energy in general. And we mentioned that despite the bullshit name and title, it actually has a lot of really good things in it. I'm just disappointed that they keep lying to us about what it's supposed to do when there's so many great things in this bill that should be applauded and that we all should be cheering for as just humans, forget being American, just as humans. There's a lot of really good things in here that um, that, that, that that I'm excited about. And it is a, a major accomplishment for the Biden administration, which I continuously trash along with, you know, the other side as well. They get equal, equal sticks around here. But no, look, kudos to the administration on this one and kudos to the Republicans that the few Republicans, I think it was nine that actually voted um, to get this across the finish line. But I know you wanted to touch on some of what's inside this bill, and I'd love to hear it. It's a good pivot. Um, maybe not so much on the nuclear stuff, though. I'll mention it for a second. You know, we've talked about California wanting to secure funding and, and, and how even the Democratic governor there wants to keep the two reactors at Diablo Canyon online. Um, the infrastructure bill passed last year, the so-called BIL, the Bipartisan <laughs> infrastructure legislation or infrastructure law provided a couple of billion six billion dollars for that this does this does much more this provides something like um, 30 billion dollars to, to, to keep uh, nuclear reactors online um, extend the lives of them etc and then it has a separate tax credit a production tax credit for um, energy produced from from nuclear reactors on, on a kilowatt hour basis so um, clearly the government uh, in this case, a democratically controlled government and, and a bill that was primarily, in the case of the Senate, only voted for by uh, Democrats are, are receptive and 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 I, I would say admitting admitting that nuclear has to be a, a serious part of the mix. So that's good. But I wanted to actually talk more about um, the infrastructure bill, or excuse me, the, the Inflation Reduction Act as it relates to, to lithium. And God, that fucking name, Gerardo. Anyway. Yeah, the, it, even, it gets me too. I, I, I want to rename it and just 
you know, yeah. <laughs> Even the New York Times in, in, in their recent newsletters has been writing about how, um, again, admitting, you know, this isn't going to really reduce inflation in the short term. And in fact, some of the projections say that prices are going to rise as a result. And it's going to be a couple of years before it has a real effect. And it's primarily a climate uh, energy. And let's not forget tax bill with your um, however many agents the IRS is going to hire, maybe or maybe not with assault rifles willing to kill somebody, as their job ad said a couple of weeks ago. Did you happen to see that? I did. I did. Um, you want to hear my it, favorite meme quote on the Inflation Reduction Act? I'll send you one privately, but let me hear yours. <laughs> this guy's yelling at his son. He says, inflation's destroying everyone. And the son says, I can't keep up with my expenses. And the dad yells back, that's why the Inflation Reduction Act costs $739 billion. And the son flies off the hand and goes, what the fuck is the government spending $739 billion? And the dad yells back, because that's how you beat inflation. <laughs> Can't make this up, folks. This no, is what they have please, said. Go ahead. No, yeah, that's no. what they're telling us. I can't make this up. You would think I'm, you know, being facetious or sarcastic or ironic. And unfortunately, I am not. This is how no. they talk to us, folks. No, as Milton Friedman uh, taught us, as, as as Mr. Dines taught us, you know, the, the definition of inflation is the, the expanding of the monetary base. And the entity that controls that is the government. So... <laughs> Uh, by the government creating even more spending. I mean, it's the exact opposite of the reduction of inflation. But anyway, let's set that aside for a second, call it a, a climate and, and energy bill and, and talk about the the uh, the EVs and, and the lithium, because I've been saying for a couple of years now that eventually you're going to go to buy your electric vehicle on the lot and the sticker instead of having the miles per gallon is going to have, you know, where the individual elements came from. Um, we, we know about the cobalt, we know about the child labor in uh, the DRC, and we know that a lot of these minerals come from um, abhorrent labor conditions and, and not on the up and up, you know, capitalistic practices. So um, this bill has 300, I'm reading from my notes now, has $369 billion in federal funds that will go into climate change and energy security. Um, and there's a new $7,500 tax credit that's sort of... Um, <laughs> makes better the, the tax credit that was in place, which was just basically allowing white collar workers um, who made a lot of money to get their Teslas for even cheaper, right? This one uh, puts a uh, income cap on who can get the tax credit, but it also says um, that the tax credit doesn't apply unless the minerals uh, that are in the, the vehicle are 40% uh, from free trade agreement partners. That, that would be obviously the US. Um, and the list includes Canada, Australia, Chile, uh, Mexico and Peru. So, um, you know, you and I have investments in uh, mineral companies in those regions, uh, particularly in, in in Canada as it relates to, to lithium. And this is definitely a, a step in the right direction. So there's also a $4,000 tax credit for uh, used electric vehicles, which I think is going to be very beneficial going forward. And so um, I guess this is more a chest pounding for you and I than anything else is, you know, we had the foresight to know that something like this was going to come down the legislative pike eventually. I mean, uh, you weren't going to be able to, to sell, uh, you know, uh, lithium ion batteries with, with, with cobalt inputs that came from child labor in the DRC. Like that wasn't going to fly. And so yeah. um, to see that they've said that these minerals have to come from, from friendly countries, um, you know, we skated to where the puck was going to be. I hear the thunder. And 
Um, <laughs> I think it's gonna 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 pay dividends uh, in the form of the, the speculative investments that we have in the lithium space. You know, obviously the Albemarles are are going to be a good investment, the Alchems of the world. Um, but when you look at um, the the automakers who aren't meeting that requirement yet, right? Like I think it's only Tesla and GM are like two of the few companies who meet that requirement. There's going to be a scrambling, as we've said, uh, by the Fords of the world, the Volkswagens of the world, et cetera, to secure these supplies uh, from the countries that are that are mentioned in the bill that are going to be able to get the tax credits. And so it expedites that, right? Where it might have taken to 2035 or 2040 for that supply chain to correct itself. Uh, now you have a, a legislative carrot to to, to incent that supply to come to uh, North America. And so anyway, um, I'm sort of blabbering, but- you No, know, you're hold, not. I, I hold, love this. Hold, holding you know, domestic equities, securities of, of lithium companies that have assets in these jurisdictions um, is going to make us even more lithium barren than we already are. I, I, I agree with every single word uh, that, that, that you spoke. And um, yeah, no, look, I think the last point that's worth making is it's going to expedite not just a critical metal supply chain that's very, very, you know, North American friendly. It's also going to drive a premium to companies that have assets with scale and grade, right? I, I, I talk almost every week about Patriot Battery Metals because it's my largest personal holding. And David Talbot had a note um, this week that if anybody has a chance to read, um, maybe we'll put a link up for it, but it was a very well-written report. He estimates, you know, I've said privately to you and maybe publicly that I think there's at least 100 to 150 million tons on this 2.1 kilometer corridor of, of outcropping uh, pegmatites, lithium spodumene bearing pegmatites. And so, that's just on two kilometers. There's 50 kilometers. They just found another two kilometer trend that looks parallel to it. Um, and then David Talbot thinks there's 163 million tons that can be proven up in the initial resource estimate at a percent, which makes it among the largest lithium deposits in the world. If that second corridor is anywhere close to what the first one, and it looks like a twin, by the way, um, then, then you, you may have the largest, the single largest lithium deposit in the world because there's so much trend to go and explore. They just discovered other corridors. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's the perfect storm when you take the macro situation, when you take the bipartisan support, when you take the scale of that project, the grade of that project, and then frankly a share structure that's still very 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 solid um, for an, an initial resource made, uh, made in resource estimate anywhere near 163 million tons, um, and, and we're expecting that by year end would be an absolute barn burner of a, of, of a catalyst for the company. And by the way, it's got three rigs turning and I think another one in the way on the way here in the next month or two. So not slowing down anytime soon. I had a subscriber reach out and ask, uh, you know, what, what's, what's my favorite lithium pick right now? They feel like they missed the Patriot boat. Again, I'm on the record of saying, I think Patriot can be a $20 stock this time next year. It's trading your $5. If a four-fold win isn't enough for you in this space, I don't know what to tell you, right? If I'm halfway right and he goes to 10 bucks and you double your money, I don't think you'll be upset with the recommendation and the tip. And so I know that you added to your position recently. I think that's, you know, gone well. Thankfully, I've had family members that have asked me, hey, you know, what, what, what speculation do you have out there? I have a little extra cash to play with. And, and they've done well, luckily. And so, you know, it won't go straight up. Nothing does. But yeah, I, I am excited about the premiums that this bipartisan support and the money and the capital, right? The capital that's being allocated to actually advancing 
projects forward and these supply chains forward. I'm excited to see the premiums that are commanded because I, I think Goldman Sachs is dead wrong on their lithium call. And again, even by their own report, they said if there is a drop in price, it would it would be for a couple of years. It wouldn't last for very long. So whether you agree with Goldman Sachs or not, lithium is is the sector that you know I'm most excited about in the next couple of years, and followed by uranium and and, and yes, everybody copper and then even gold if you can believe that. So mm-hmm. yeah, and investors are definitely interested in lithium. I was talking to a mutual friend of ours this week who said uh, he was hearing from somebody about a metals conference in Australia where. Um, you know, there were sort of gold companies in the exhibit hall and then battery metals companies. And it was like a tale of two worlds, right? There was no investors in the, the gold side, the precious metals side of the conference and everybody was uh, around the, the battery metals explorers and, and developers. And I see that in the, in the clicks as, as well. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of places that you could allocate capital to in, in that sector. And, and I guess I would just say that we'll continue to, to bring those to you in, in the coming months here. Uh, because there's more than one way to, to skin a cat. And so, um, yeah, excited about the, the battery metal space. And I guess just to pile on, um, you know, it's worth mentioning again that, you know, even with this switch to lithium iron phosphate that uh, Tesla and some of the others are doing, you know, the first word in that battery is, is still lithium. And so, you know, this... Um, <laughs> Check out the big brains on Nick. Uh, these, these articles, and I've said this before, you know, new technology is going to replace lithium or, you know, recycling is going to replace lithium. It's it's simply not, you know. Um, the, the, the Elon's not dying. Tesla's no, not dying. They're not going that's bankrupt. It. That's it. Even the report, you know, I've mentioned here a couple of times from the International Energy Agency said that, you know, what the number is, 50 new mines by, by 2030 and, uh, recycling is not going to make a dent and, and new technologies aren't going to make a dent. Yeah, you might be able to whittle away um, some of the amount of cobalt that's needed. Um, yeah, you might be able to go to some sort of lower nickel solution. But um, at the end of the day, it's 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 lithium all the way. Yeah. Interesting. 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 Um, we got to get to the Trumpster because every week he just provides fodder that makes me smile. Right. Um, this week. The CFO to the Trump Organization pleaded guilty to 15 counts. Not one, not two, not three, not five, not 10. 15 wasn't proven guilty. He was so guilty. He raised his hand and said, I'm guilty to 15 counts. Yes, pled guilty. Um, I don't think that's the last that we're going to hear from that gentleman. He's the CFO. The CFOs know where the bodies are. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Mr. Trump has not wanted to unseal the warrant despite him publicly and on social media crying about them searching his safe and, you know, the FBI must have planted some things. Well, very simple solution, Mr. Trump, just unseal, just show show exactly what was taken and show exactly what was searched and what the warrant was for. The FBI has to outline that when they come and provide you with the search warrant. Also not a coincidence that Rudy Giuliani has been informed that he's the target of a criminal investigation relating to the recent election and and tampering in Georgia, looking to overturn those results. Again, a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but some of these tend to play out from time to time. CFO of Trump Org pleads guilty to 15 counts. Giuliani's the target of a criminal investigation. Trump gets raided by the feds. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Liz Cheney just got beat by 
a Trump-backed candidate. So this is the other side of it. If anybody That's thinks exactly that this, what I was gonna say. yeah, if anybody believes that all these scandals are hurting Trump and his base, you are dead wrong. The people that believe in him believe in him like he is the second coming of Jesus. For those of you that are into that kind of thing, and so Liz Cheney, a Republican, a conservative one, by the way, who won a primary by seventy points just lost the follow-up election by 40 points because she was the person that is leading the January 6th investigation to see if there was a crime committed by the Trumpster. And so if you're wondering about Trump's political capital and he survives indictments, he survives these other people that could potentially turn on him and become informants, there's an article that in in, in a pretty reputable uh, outlet there that said that internally, the family feels that there's a family member that was the informant that tipped people off to the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. And so I, 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 it, it's a fun soap opera to watch. You know, if, if, if nothing was done wrong, I hope they're all exonerated. But knowing the Giuliani's and the Trump's and being that his CFO just pled guilty to 15 counts, I, I don't think it's going to be the last time somebody pleads guilty. And um, it's a heck of a reality show. I'll give him that. He does know how to do that well. Well, he was a reality star, obviously. I know that's the, the point you were making. And I don't have a lot to add there. I, like I told you previously, I haven't been following too, too closely, mostly because I, I don't care too, too much. But um, everything, <laughs> you say, everything you say is, is right. Um, yeah, trump back candidates are, are winning at the polls. And uh, I guess I'm just more jaded than anything that that's still the case and that, you know, there hasn't been a, a, a viable either, you know, new candidates or, or, or new party to emerge for these next couple of years here. You know, Andrew Yang's trying to do his little thing with the forward party, but um, it's really just a, a sticker and a catchphrase. There's really no meat on that bone. And, um, you know, Liz says she's going to parlay this into a, a presidential run, which we'll see. I mean, that could just end up being more of a, a spoiler, like Ross Perot style, that Anything else, I'm not sure who really is going to vote for Liz Cheney. You know, me as a libertarian slash independent remembers that she was uh, a supporter of waterboarding and, and things like that. I get that she's done some good things lately, but I don't think I would be pulling the lever for her as a as a presidential candidate. And so um, disheartened and, and jaded is the is the tent that I'm still sitting in. It sounds like we might sit out a few elections, right? I think I'll still vote locally because there are some things here in the state of Texas that I'm passionate about and, 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 you know, whether I disagree with certain candidates on certain positions or certain issues that I just, I'm not voting for the other guy or sitting out, but on a national scale, I mean, this set of politicians is just absolute hot garbage, man, all the way around. I know we say it every week. I know we sound like a broken record. I can't wait for the day that Nick and I are sitting here excited about these new young, you know, libertarian, Republican and Democratic candidates that are debating um, the merits of ideas and the way forward and how to be more inclusive and not divisive and, you know, how to compromise the way that, you know, once upon a time, there was at least an attempt to do. And, you know, now it's just all one big reality show on all sides. And it frankly makes me sick about being 100% honest. You know, what we haven't mentioned um, is Beto calling that guy a motherfucker, which was that I, I like to see that. That was pretty good. Loved it. Little context. Uh, we talked about the Uvalde shooting where, you know, 19 babies were massacred while over 330 law enforcement officers um, gathered around and, you know, 19 officers with assault rifles and guns were inside a hallway getting, um, you know, Purell on their hands and checking their phones and all the other stuff. 
um, while this psychopath killed these babies. But anyhow, I digress. Um, Bethel was Bethel O'Rourke, you know, who, again, I disagree on his stance on, um, you know, the Second Amendment. He wants to ban all guns, I think, at his core. And, you know, I'm a Second Amendment supporter, though I think there's a smarter way to own those guns. And I do believe there's a there, there's an age limit that you should reach and an aptitude test that you should take before you could just go buy something like an AR-15. So again, I, I think there's a compromise to be made there, but I fundamentally disagree with you know him saying that he wants to come for people's guns because one, I don't think it's realistic. Um, two, I think he does himself a disservice because he has really bright ideas on a lot of other issues. Um, but three, and in this situation, he was at a, a town hall meeting and he was talking about the Uvalde shooting, how these weapons are continually used to massacre babies. And a guy started laughing. Um, he started laughing. And, you know, Bethel rightfully looked over and said, it may be funny to you, motherfucker, but it's not funny to me. And you know what? I like that kind of pa passion in my politicians. You know, the one thing I, I, I admired about Trump was he never pretended to be anybody other than he was. He very rarely, you know, pretended to be someone else. If he folded on an issue like abortion, he was a big abortion supporter and, and leaned more Democrat on that issue before taking office. He just kind of went silent, decided I just won't talk about it. I just be quiet. Forget that I was married however many times I was married. You know, forget all my ties with Epstein. Forget all the other nasty stuff. I just I, I just won't talk about it. But at least he never pretended to be somebody that he wasn't. And with Beto, I like that he's, he's saying, hey, look, gloves off. I'm not for play with this stuff. Like this isn't. This isn't something you joke about. You don't laugh about babies being massacred, no matter what your stance is on the Second Amendment or gun ownership in this country. So good for him. I like for people to keep that energy. It wasn't threatening. It was just, I thought the response that gentleman deserved. That's it. I like to see it. Yeah. You know what I don't like to see? Droughts all around the world. Um, China droughts, France, you name it, everywhere. Um, Europe, rivers are at, you know, century long lows, river levels. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not one of these people that is a, a huge, you know, proponent of government getting involved in trying to fix the climate. But I'm also not one of these people that's going to sit here and deny that climate change, forget global warming, that climate change is real and that it's cyclical and that as humans, whether or not we're causing the bulk of it, let's put that argument to the side. We have to be honest about the fact that these are, you know, once in a generation droughts. And then also on the other side of it, winters that we're seeing repeatedly now, hurricane seasons, tsunami seasons, droughts, um, the sun, the earth spinning faster than it ever did. Like, I mean, all of these things I understand probably have been going on for thousands of years and will continue to until the whole thing implodes. But I do believe there's a smart, responsible way where everyone can compromise and government doesn't have to lead the way, by the way, um, and, 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 and do whatever little bit we can do to, 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 to do some common sense things. Right. And so I say all that to say, Nick, any thoughts? I mean, this isn't I'm, I'm no climate expert. I'm no, you know, climate energy expert. I'm no, you know, energy reduction of the carbon footprint expert. None of that stuff. But it, it's scary stuff to see all this stuff because. I know one thing is you don't play with Mother Nature. You're not going to win that one. No, she can shake you off like a, a flea on the back of a dog. And um, I see all the same headlines that you do. Um, I've been writing about water for a long time. It's one yep. of the first things I started writing about as a, a editor in, in the publishing space. And, you know, there's a lot of causes, not just the climate. We've made some 
you know, ill decisions in the past about where we've built cities, like Las Vegas as an easy example, probably shouldn't even exist as a city, given the amount of water that has to be uh, pumped into it, not just for the citizens, but for all its lovely golf courses as well. I mean, it's entirely unsustainable. And you see the photos of, uh, you know, Lake Mead and these uh, the Po River in um, Italy, where they're down so low that they're revealing yeah. new, new treasures and non-treasures. I mean, we're finding bodies, we're finding boats from, you know, uh, previous uh, world wars I, I've been seeing pictures of. And um, I guess some of the, the implications are, one is is energy specifically as it yeah. uh, you know relates back to Germany. The, the, the Rhine River there is down to, I think, something like 30 some centimeters and the, the ships need at least 40 to get through. So they can't even get the the coal that they're now having to rely on because they can't get the gas and they can't get the barges with the, the coal up the river so they can burn that which they uh, don't want to do anyway but, um, it's just an impossibility when you can't move boats up and down uh, the river and then you, you got to sort of well that's another uh, pro for for uranium by the way for yeah nuclear i've got to throw that in there um, and then you talk about or think about the the food right because you've got Farmers here in the U.S. who are culling crops because uh, they're not getting enough uh, water. I've been reading about, uh, I'll just rattle them off, you know, uh, Arizona produces something like, um, I don't know, 60% of our lettuce in the wintertime because it's one of the few climates that can grow lettuce when it's cold and yeah. they don't have enough water to grow the lettuce for the winter. I've been reading about like spaghetti sauce and ketchup because uh, there's not enough water in California for the tomatoes. And so uh, the price of ketchup is through the roof. I was actually linking to these. I did a whole ketchup mustard hot dog thing in, in my letter today for my uh, one of my reading links. And then speaking of mustard, um, you know, Canada grows the, the bulk of the, of the mustard seed, not enough water for the for the mustard this year in, in Canada. So. Um, and all this feeds into to supply chain stuff and to, and to rising prices, right? You know, um, uh, I don't know the exact number, but you look at like, you know, um, uh, those, those stories that you'll see from time to time about, you know, how much does it cost for a family of four to have a picnic or to go out to a ball game? Like, I mean, those prices are through the roof. Literally, the, the cost of ketchup and mustard, I mean, condiments for your fucking hot dog are uh, getting harder and harder to come by. I mean, condoms. I, <laughs> Sorry, too easy. <laughs> I don't want to be like a a Malthusian or whatever, but um, yeah, you've had people warning uh, about this food crisis, and you know, to a certain extent, I believe in human ingenuity, right? Like, you know, I see these phosphate guys out there every time there's a story. You know, oh, you got to buy this phosphate stock. Well, why? Because you're the CEO of a phosphate company. That's why. You, you know, people have an incentive to to fear monger, sure. but nonetheless, um, it's a significant issue. Uh, this this summer and you know for power generation as well i mean we've talked about this you know the strain on the grid is it's a it's a it's, i mean it's 101 degrees here in spokane today for example so um and i see just the amount of power we use to to keep cool relative to to years before and so it's definitely a real thing and it and it, it and it plays back into the things that we invested, right? I mean, we just talked about the, the climate and energy bill and, um, you know, people are going to have to make a change uh, eventually. I think, you know, part of the coping process is denial, but that, that only lasts so long. Inflation profits have been good. Climate profits are looking good. Um, a lot of runway for these, these sectors and these trends. These aren't 
you know, six month trends. This isn't rare earths back in 2010, 2011, where it was, you know, a 12 month spectacular ride, by the way, it was all, it was very fun and, you know, made, made, made a couple of nickels during that run. But you kind of saw that, you know, while there was a real issue, it was going to be a short lived mania. Um, this isn't going to be a short lived mania, folks. We need real solutions. It's going to require a lot of capital. It's going to require a lot of ingenuity. And yes, by the way, there's going to be a lot of money made. And so, you know, I would, I would encourage everybody that thinks, you know, they missed the Patriot or they missed uh, critical elements, you know, or they miss, you know, one of these uh, uranium companies that were 10 cents and went to a dollar and now sits at 60 cents that that you can't you can't chase them. Um, I, I would encourage people to rethink that and be very specific about, you know, the catalyst and the potential for a lot of these stocks to re-rate higher because you have significant tailwinds. Um, helping your cause. And again, climate profits are, are nothing wrong. I'm a capitalist at heart, right? And uh, nothing wrong with making money while trying to help the world out a little bit. No, that's it. It's a combination of a lot of things that uh, we've both been writing about for, for a long time. And, um, you know, in some respects, I, I'll go back to my feeling jaded. It's like, well, not that I'm some big profit or whatever, but I tried to tell you so. Okay. <laughs> Last but not least, we talked Canada a bit. Naked shorting has been banned in Canada. And you know, we had a conversation off air about being bought into stock. You know, when, when, when you're trying to sell stock, sometimes you're bought in and make you buy the whole position back. And, you know, I, I can't help but wonder now that, that naked shorting ban has taken effect because it's effective immediately in Canada. If that's not playing a part into, you know, what, what, what my broker has said is, is, you know, record amounts of buy-ins and mm -hmm. it makes me wonder how many of customer shares were you nakedly shorting institutions of reputable backgrounds <laughs> again maybe it's just a conspiracy theory but it seems like a bit of a coincidence to me that the day or the days where naked shorting is banned in canada all of a sudden everybody's being bought in for their positions I didn't make the connection, but you know it's very astute uh, like the connecting of the dots there. And I'm not an expert, even when you know my broker was explaining it to me as a sort of went in one ear and out the other. How you know they've got to wait for and it gets very complicated with whether or not the companies are a DTC eligible if they're involved in that process or if you have to get the physical shares delivered. And in my case, you know they have to get the physical certs from. Uh, whatever the DRS agent, get them to the the back office RBC, and then they got to go to the person on the other side of the trade. And this is taking, you know, that's a multi week process, especially um, if uh, the counterparties uh, in all these trades, not just mine, but yours and Jim's and Bob's and Steve's, are all requesting their, um, you know, their their shares, their certs to to be delivered. And, and my broker was saying that uh, for one trade that I made, they probably put in the collective twenty man and woman hours. Um, you know, emailing back and forth with the exchange and, and on the counterparty and trying to get an extension for when the trade has uh, come to settle. And, and in one case, the exchange just came in over the top and said no more extensions. And then the exchange bought me back in. And when they do that, um, 
you know, if you look at the market depth of a, of a, of a stock, like sort of the level two, like how many shares are for sale yeah. at whatever price, they don't care, man. It's no. not like they put in a limit order for you to get bought back in. I mean, they'll fucking wipe out the shares all the way up. And when you're talking about liquid penny stocks, right, if you just sold one at 35 cents and there's no shares for sale at 35 cents or 36 cents. It can be 20 cents real quick. Fuck yeah, you can. And so if you thought you just made however much money selling that stock, you got to come out of pocket even more than the than the unsettled funds that you have from that sale to get to, to buy back in. And I know it's a complex topic that's, you know, for uh, mostly accredited investors, because this yeah. has been happening for um, an issue that we've been talking about as it relates to private placements and whether they're have sold or will sell. Um, and gosh, it gets real complicated yeah. and I might sound stupid, but um, some deals are will sell, which means that it's implied that you will sell the shares because, of course, you will. That's why right. you bought them in the first place. Yeah, you want to make a profit. Stupid. Absolutely. And so some deals increasingly, especially Canadian small cap TSXV deals, um, for whatever reason, the lawyers have switched and they're mostly have sold, which means you can't get your shares uh, entirely cleaned up until you have sold them. So that means um, once you have sold your shares or you put them for sale and then you sell them, then they got to go to the company, get the company's lawyer's <clears throat> approval, right? He's got to look at the at the legend to make sure the sale was legit and, it, it's, and adheres to securities laws. And, and this is part of that process that I started this answer with that takes so long. And if that doesn't get done in the three days that it should take a, a trade to settle, then uh, the counterparty wants their shares, right? Because like yep. you were saying, <clears throat> if they're short or if they were naked short, now they can't be. Um, and we really should get an expert on to talk more about this. They need sure. those shares in their possession, right? They can't be naked short. They have to have the shares. And so they're saying, I want my shares. I want my shares. I want my shares. And that's how you end up getting bought back in. Yeah. A lot going on. The storm. <laughs> I, I made it through the storm. We got a good 40 minutes in, Nick. I'm actually impressed. I was worried when that thunder and that lightning started kicking up halfway through. I hope I didn't speak too soon, but. No, look, I think um, the end of summer is near. September's right around the corner. I know you and I are excited to be at Beaver Creek at the Precious Metal Summit. I believe it's September 13th through the 16th. If anyone is out there, please reach out. Please say hello. Would love to catch up with everyone. Looking forward to it. It's been a bit. And um, yeah, what are you watching in the market, Nick? Oh, gosh, I've been busy on the marketing side of things as opposed to the market side this week, uh, finishing up some copy for a, a new gold video that we're going to launch. It's actually like documentary style about a tour I took of uh, um, an up and coming gold mine that we'll have out in the in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm, I'm still watching for the, the broader indices to turn yeah. around. If I'm being honest, they continue to uh, make me look like a fool as, as, as they march higher, even turning around uh, the day we recorded this to close higher despite being uh, lower most of the day. Um, you know, I think we get the, the end of the month is coming up here. You have an, an options exploration uh, expiration that's August 21st, which really makes it August 19th because that's a Sunday. That might get some of this meme stock funny business out of here. I saw yeah. that Bed Bath & Beyond was already down uh, some 20% today after rising from, you know, it was up 500% yeah. almost, Gerardo, in the past like 27 days or something. So Good work. Um, you can get it. 
I think some of that wonkiness is going to come out. Um, and I continue to look at the, the real fundamentals. You know, um, if you take energy out of the S&P earnings, they're negative for, for Q2. Q3 isn't going to be any better because oil prices weren't $100 on average in, in this quarter. Yeah. They've, they've been 88 or $90. So the S&P isn't going to have the uh, energy sector to keep it buoyant as it relates to earnings. And then um, last thing, I guess, is, is GDP, right, which is going to come in probably very close to zero again for Q3. And it's, it's just like inflation. How, yeah, everyone's <laughs> on that, you know, that Atlanta Fed nowcast, right? They got that GDP now that's getting really popular. And they had it up around two and a half percent a couple of weeks ago. And it's come back down closer to one and a half percent real, real quick. And I think you see that come even closer to zero as the, the weeks uh, progress here. The, the consumers just don't have it. I mean, Target told you so this week. Those shares were down. The, the consumer's in a really tough spot. And um, eventually, I think those... Um, you know, those fundamentals are going to are going to play out in the in the uh, stock market, which we know is different from the economy. And yeah. I guess um, a hat tip to, to Hedgeye for a second. They're calling this, you know, whereas, you know, 2008 was a Wall Street crisis, right? It was a, a leveraged, um, securitized mortgage crisis that, you know, clearly um, started with the banks with, you know, Lehman collapsing, Bear Stearns, et cetera. And this one, you know, the uh, the banks haven't felt as much, at least yet, right? This is a, a Main Street crisis that has to percolate up. And I think the percolating is happening. Well, it's happening in Argentina. It's happening around the world with riots and protests, inflation out of control, food prices, wages not keeping up. Um, it, it, everything can't be awesome uh, forever here in the U.S. I agree with you, Nick. It's definitely something to watch. I continue to be bullish on copper, lithium, uranium, and Gold, if you have the right timeline, meaning not right now, but maybe in a few months, uh, a, a lot to like out there, a lot to make money off of. So I think we'll leave with that. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 182 of Bizarro World. Enjoy your week, everybody. Stay cool. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.